Hi, this is Suzanne Atkinson with Try to Listen, the podcast for curious triathletes. Each episode features an interview with an athlete, coach, or scientist whose passion lies in triathlon. It's my job to uncover their story. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, This is the first podcast that I've released in several years. Over the past two and a half years, I've been thinking about these interviews that I had done that were never released. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy them. Um, These go back to 2016 during the Ironman World Championships. Uh, The interview that you're going to hear today is with a gentleman named Floyd Miller, who's originally from the state of Indiana. Um, Floyd's a marathoner, and his son is a triathlete. Uh, What made this particular interview really fun is that I had scheduled an interview with Joe Friel and was sitting at an outdoor patio um, doing that interview with him. And um, you'll be hearing that one uh, one or two episodes from now. But after the, ep- after the uh, interview with Joe was finished, this woman um, approached me and asked me um, who I was and who that man was that I was interviewing. And then she introduced me to her husband, Floyd. Um, and she told me some uh, interesting information about Floyd's background as a marathoner. And, um, you know, she really uh, was very proud of her husband. And I thought that he had an interesting story to tell as well. And that's why I've chosen to release uh, Mr. Floyd Miller as episode number one in Try to Listen. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Suzanne Atkinson. One of the really exciting things about being in Kona for the Ironman World Championship is that you just run into interesting people everywhere you go. Um, I'm sitting here with Floyd Miller. Um, Floyd, you're uh, a marathoner from Indiana. Thanks for agreeing to chat with me for a few minutes. Okay, thank you (laughs) for being here. Um, Floyd, tell us what makes your uh, marathon experience somewhat unique compared to most other people who run marathons. Well, I guess I feel like uh, uh, something that I have always enjoyed doing and and, uh, it's something that I'm fairly good at and enjoy it. It's a good way to relieve stress, so it's mm-hmm. something that I do on a daily basis to run, but yeah. uh, then picked up the marathon in, when I was in my early 30s and and have been doing it for quite a few years. So. What made you decide to start running in your early 30s? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it was probably more, more to do with the fact that uh, as a kid growing up, I was really never good at any sports <laughs> except just uh, running. And uh, where I grew up at and how I grew up was probably a unique situation. And uh, so we didn't, we weren't offered any kind of sports uh, in the area that I did grow up at. But it is something that I just enjoyed as a kid. And I don't know really why, because it wasn't something that we did at home but it but I just enjoyed it so uh, you did you have a track team at your school no uh, I, I I guess I'm gonna mention this now is the fact that I don't know if you know anything about Amish people ever heard about Amish well people? I'm from Pennsylvania okay and uh, I did my my ER residency in Danville Pennsylvania which is extremely rural yeah. and uh, one of my favorite things about working there was that I could go for a bike ride for two or three hours and never be passed by a car uh-huh. and only pass Amish farms yeah. along the way. Well, I was raised Amish. Oh, were you? Yes. Interesting. I was, I was raised Amish, and I think probably that's maybe part of my uh, uh, somewhat unique or somewhat unusual situation because I was raised in a family of 15 children, and 
uh, raised in a, in a home where the, the schools, there were no sports activities offered. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me to, to even be involved in anything wouldn't have been possible or, or allowed to, to participate in any kind of sports, even uh -huh. if we would have went to a school that, that offered it, we wouldn't have been allowed to do that. So when you were young, what, what was your exposure to running? I mean, obviously, I, I'm assuming that there was work to do. Did you grow yes, up on a farm? Yes, we grew up on a farm, and, and you know, the, the only thing that we knew was uh, to work and go to school and mm -hmm. uh, Sundays go to church, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, there was no time for... Uh, for play, I guess, except, I mean, as little, little children, but we, you know, we learned to work uh, out on the farm from the time we were six, seven years old, probably. What was your first job on the farm, do you remember? Uh, well, we, I think we always went out to plow for, you know, and husk corn and, mm -hmm. and things like that, but we also always had to, had chores to do like milk cows and okay. feed the calves and feed the pigs and things yeah. like that. But, uh, and so was running something that you didn't discover till you were in your 30s or did you have uh, moments where you could? I think in school uh, we we were at a, a just like a one-room schoolhouse but we knew or I knew of a, a high school or a grade school where they did have track and cross country and things like that but but I obviously we didn't attend that so I think I just enjoyed it enough and I don't know really why but I sometimes would run home from school just because I enjoyed running and I don't know for sure why but I honestly did not start running then until we got married and I think I was my son that's actually doing the Ironman here today or this week uh, him, he was six years old, I think, when him and I both decided to do a 5K in a local parade day race. Uh -huh. And uh, so I was in my early 30s when I started running 5Ks and 10Ks. And soon, I think pretty soon, uh, picked up on marathoning and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, being away from anything further than 50 miles was kind of an unusual thing for me. And so... Uh -huh. My, our first, my first marathon was in Chicago, Illinois, which is not that far away, maybe 150 miles from our house. Mm -hmm. but, uh, How many years between doing that first 5K with your son and doing your first marathon? I would guess it was probably uh, four or five years, maybe, something okay. like that, fairly early. And when did you decide that you wanted to do a marathon? I think... Uh, I think probably already the second year after I started running, I seemed like I jumped into 5Ks and 10Ks and almost within a year or two, I probably went into some local half marathons mm -hmm. and then started hearing about marathons and, you know, I, I think I just uh, learned uh, about some of that stuff before, just by being in, in events. Yeah. Hadn't really ever heard because we didn't have a TV at home and yeah. we had no contact of any sort to know about that kind of thing until I actually started running in these kinds of events and then started mm -hmm. hearing about marathons. And yeah. So do you still keep in contact with your brothers and sisters and your parents about your running and so forth? Yeah, they. Uh, we do. My parents are not alive anymore, but my my family, all 15 of us, are still living and have a big, there's a big, they're all married and have, I have many nephews and nieces and mm -hmm. 
Uh, my parents had, I think when my dad passed uh, four years ago, there were uh, 150 great-grandchildren already and wow. 90, 99 grandchildren, so <laughs> huge, huge family. And we have a, we have a reunion every other year to get mm -hmm. together, and so that's how we stay in contact as much as possible. Okay. Um, so you done a marathon in every continent yes I have which not a lot of people can say <laughs> there's yeah. not a lot of people who've even done seven marathons yeah. let alone yeah. traveling around the world to do it yeah. when did you first hear about that as an opportunity I think I it was probably about 10 years ago through my son wanting to do a marathon in Boston because of, of knowing that I wanted to run a marathon in Boston uh, through that I, I was looking for another marathon to run and uh, went on a site, just, I think I just typed in mar uh, marathons and marathon tours, actually, it's out of Boston. Interesting. Uh, popped up, and it said something about Seven Continents Club, and uh -huh. I thought, man, if, what a bucket list that would be. So I, I just almost immediately decided to take that as a challenge, and uh, I tried to pick out very unique marathons that were different than just the common and uh, you know so we so that's how I started it and, and I did two marathons from that point on I did two marathons a year until I completed it and then uh, after I was or almost when I was done with that then I found out about the five majors uh, and then I, after I had done the seven continents, I completed the five majors and as well. The five majors is that a specific? Yes, it's five Chicago, New York, Boston, London, and Berlin, Germany. Chicago, New York, Boston, London, and Berlin. Yeah. So three in the U.S. and then two, one yeah. in England and one yeah. on the continent. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's now another one been added, and it's uh, Tokyo, Japan, but I haven't. Is it Done still that. called the five majors, or is it no, the six it'll majors? No, it'll be a six. <laughs> I think they've upped it to six majors sort now. Sort of like so. the Big Ten now has, yeah. I don't know, 13 teams in it, or mm -hmm. I haven't kept up with that. Um, which has been your your favorite race? You know, I, you know, I have so many, many good memories, and I guess I feel so honored to be able to have done what I've done, but... I probably the most unique and unusual is the Antarctica, just um, simply because of where it's at, and 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 it, it feels like stepping on another planet. Yeah. You know, it just it seems like it's you know there's nobody lives there, and you're basically running with the penguins and. Yeah. <laughs> so you're actually running 26.2 miles out on the ice and snow. Yeah, ice and snow, and, and there are, there is a research area there where I think five different countries are represented there for yeah. like three months out of the year, and so we I've actually, ran within that area. Okay, yeah. I've actually known people who've gone there for the winter uh -huh. to, like, or I guess it's their summer, to um, to work. One was a cook. Um, yeah. I think I've had two friends that have done that. So that's how that's how we've uh, done that, and... And uh, I think we ran to all the villages of the, the different countries, and they mapped out a course. It was like a half marathon course, 
and people could do a half marathon or a full marathon. Okay, so you and did so the, the loop the, twice? Yeah. What um, what kind of training considerations are there when you're preparing to run a marathon in Antarctica? <laughs> well, actually, living in Indiana was great yeah. uh, because the marathon was in February, and so I trained as soon as I could in the, well, all year round, but as soon as I could outside, and I tried to run in any kind of conditions that I possibly could. Uh-huh. And uh, I felt very well prepared because... Uh, Indiana has some good cold snowy weather and mm-hmm. and I felt very very prepared to be over there. And but, uh, how many marathons had you done up to that point when you did the Antarctica marathon? Well, I I don't I when I did earlier marathons, I really didn't keep track back in those days, but I would say I've now done a total of about 30 marathons altogether. Okay. So I would imagine back then I probably would have done maybe 24, 25 Two, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, when you're training for a marathon now, after having done that many, um, do you go through like a standard training program, or do, do you feel like you could just pick up and say, "Oh, there's a marathon in three weeks. I'm good. I'll be ready for that." Oh, even though no, I I, I always uh, uh, use a training training program, and I always uh, train somewhere between 18 and 20 weeks. Okay, and work up to. 18 to 20 weeks, you try to leave that amount of time to prepare for a marathon. I do. And you're only doing two a year. Mm -hmm. So um, do you feel like you maintain a base level of fitness in between marathons? Yes, Yes, I do. do. Like right now, I I try to run six miles every day, and I run uh, 10 or 12 miles on a weekend. And uh, so it's pretty easy to jump in to get started because my, my... program that I use, I uh, start out as, as my long distance at 14 miles. Mm-hmm. So I'm right there You're always. Close to that. Yeah. Um, is this a plan that you've developed on your own after years of training or are you following a specific Well, I program? used to follow the Furman Institute uh, mm-hmm. program. Uh, I always followed that until the last, probably the last two years, four years, three years, something like that. I actually learn through reading about pros that they put in a lot more miles and so I actually just through through the Furman Institute but kind of from that also uh, picked off some things that the pros use and that is just to put in more miles so you uh, kind of you do a blend yeah and you've learned from experience works yeah well for you usually I I get up early in the morning and uh, will run, I'll work my way up to 10 miles a day in the morning. You know, I don't start there, but I work up to that. And then at every noon, uh, I'll run six miles. So, you know, I I usually have been running somewhere between 90 and 100 miles a week as my peak when okay. I get to that point. So, okay. and running running twice a day. Yeah. And then a long distance on a weekend. Okay. But before I was I was always putting in about 50 miles a week mm-hmm. and it just seemed like I struggled a lot of times with that Furman Institute program that that you come to 18 miles or 20 miles I just always seemed fatigued and not prepared like I do now with the uh, the program that I, which is kind of my own little, <laughs> your own, yeah, your own yeah. blend. 
So do you still, the Furman Institute, they do a lot of cross-training. They do. And, and varying intensities. Yeah, yeah. Do you still do those things? I do some of that, mm-hmm. but I, I actually don't. Uh, I don't do as much of it since I do more more running. I don't do as much cross training as I that I used to. Is that because you don't have time? Or I think I probably would have time, but I I think I've just found for me that uh, I've actually had my better times. For me, I've had my better times running the distance rather than the cross training okay. for me. Interesting. Um, in fact, my last race, uh, last two races that I did for the the five majors. I ran in Berlin, Germany on a Sunday. I flew home and ran Chicago the next Sunday. And then that Thursday, I flew out here to Hawaii to watch my son do an Ironman uh-huh. two years ago. <laughs> and the Chicago Marathon was actually my best time that I had had since uh, I had been running more recent marathons. Uh-huh. Would you care so, to share that time with us? Yeah, it was uh, 342. Not wow. that good. But yeah, congratulations. That's so fantastic. It was better than I had been doing. It seemed like I was doing somewhere around a three, always 350, 355, something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I had actually knocked it down to 342, which I was very happy with that. Yeah. I always think if it if it qualifies me for for either Chicago or Bo- I mean New York or Boston, I feel content, I yeah. guess, with with that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 66. Okay. And what's your what's the Boston qualifying time for a 66 year old? I believe now it is uh, 3:55, maybe something. So you're like. you're comfortably within that. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. What are your goals coming up? What's next after the five majors? Well, I uh, since this uh, uh, sixth. Uh, majors come along Tokyo Japan uh, I we kind of wanted to one wait until <laughs> our son is doing this Ironman to not do anything until this is over but yeah I'm, my hopes are is to be able to do uh, Tokyo Japan maybe next year mm-hmm. and the Marine Corps marathon next nice. year yeah. so, and they all also refer to uh, sometimes and uh, Maybe this is just in the marathon people's minds, but uh, they sometimes refer to uh, Madagascar as the eighth continent, but it's really not, I guess. Yeah. They, they just refer to it sometimes, and I've always thought I'd like to do that. And is there a marathon there? Yeah. yeah. It's very small, a little like uh, I did an Africa marathon in Africa uh, in a, out in a game preserve, and uh-huh. you know, there's maybe... 250 people or something like that and I think that's probably what this would be yeah very small yeah. But, uh, um, so you're in Kona to watch your son do the Ironman coming up yeah. this weekend mm-hmm. uh, how, how many times has your son done this race this will be his second time that he's qualified yeah great yeah. That's, and he so. took after you when he started getting into sports he started running yeah yes he did he was um, him and I did our first uh, 5K race uh, together for, for our first times, both of us, when, when I started running. And he did too. He was six years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And so he ran cross country and track. And then uh, went to college and got married. And for a while, he, he had given all of that up. But then uh, I think through his work, uh, a club, running club, and mm-hmm. uh, triathlons, uh, that type of things, uh, he got involved with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say he's been doing all of this now for the last at least 10 years, maybe. Yeah. 
all, all of this meaning triathlons or Ironman distance? Yeah, all of it. Yeah, just yeah. A, a combination of whatever's available locally. Yeah. So. so in your um, perception as a family member, you know, one of the things that is um, a common theme for Ironman distance triathletes, especially the ones that are trying to qualify for Kona, is that you have a support team behind them. Yeah. You've got very understanding friends, family members, spouses. What's been your experience as the family member of someone training for, for Kona? Well, I think that is exactly right. I think uh, everybody that does extensive time away from family and home and all the training that it takes, it does really take a lot away from from your family and, and a lot of understanding. I know my wife is a very, uh, very understanding person knowing that I am that involved and, and I know his wife is the same way and they have a little child that's five years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I think it does take a lot of uh, probably biting your tongue, tongue sometimes <laughs> when you ought to be home taking care of a child and you're out running or swimming or whatever. And so, mm -hmm. but it is, it's, but it, on the other side of that, if you are supportive, it is a, it's a great, uh, I think it's a good feeling to have family members around to watch and, and support you and be there for you when when things are down and, and not going good always, you know, because yeah. uh, you know, we all know that uh, not every race is the same. Uh, yeah. We have bad days and we have good days. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to you as his father to, to be here? Proud as can be. What a, what a privilege it is to be, to watch your son uh, do and accomplish something like this. Um, I, I just think it's it, this event, this type of event, of an event is probably the most grueling thing that I can imagine any human being putting themselves through. And uh, I used to think that I'd like to do that, but I'm not a swimmer, so I would have to totally learn that part of it to even uh, uh -huh. put myself through it. But um, every time I come to an event like this, I think. Maybe I should try it, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know that it'll ever happen. Well, you're in luck because I happen to be a swim coach. Oh, That's okay. one of my, my areas of specialty is helping people, oh, helping okay. triathletes who are uh, learning to swim at, um, you know, not when they're a child, you know, they call them oh. adult onset uh -huh. swimmers. And it's very common. Um, it's something that holds a lot of people back from trying a triathlon. Mm -hmm. I know that at one time before I got real involved in the seven continents uh, and Early on in his uh, Ironman and uh, triathlons, I actually took some swimming lessons for a little short time, mm -hmm. and because I really, it's something that would really intrigue me to do sometime. But yeah. uh, then I got so involved with uh, the Seven Continents and all this that I just put that on the back burner. And sure. since this is now somewhat done, I'm probably not just satisfied not doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, when you're, when you're ready to make that transition after you get home from Kona, okay. uh, investigate total immersion swimming. Okay. Um, it is a, it's a fantastic way for uh, adult onset swimmers to, to learn, and we really focus on, um, you know, relaxation in the water, working with the water, cooperating with it, swimming from your, your core and not just with your arms yeah. and legs. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to get introduced to okay. it. So yeah. there's hope for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Floyd, thank you very much for um, for okay. sitting down and doing this impromptu interview. It's been okay. great getting to know well, you. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Do you have any advice for someone who's um, looking to run their their first marathon? Uh, I would say, in weather like this, you better take it, uh, stay hydrated, and uh, take it easy. Okay. <laughs> Don't go out <laughs> thinking that you're. Uh, 
uh, going to do your best, not here in Hawaii, because it's hot and humid. Great, so stay hydrated and take it easy. <laughs> that's right. It just enjoy being here. I think that's the biggest thing. So, yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Can I have your business card or something? Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to our first podcast with Floyd Miller. The next episode will be a brief interview with his son, Mark Miller, who I interviewed right after Floyd. And you'll hear about some of his uh, inspirations and um, what it meant to him to get back to Kona for a second time. The interview after that will be with Joe Friel. I think you'll really enjoy that interview. uh, And I get a chance to pick Joe's brain about the research for his most recent book. Finally, if you've enjoyed this, uh, please give us a great rating on iTunes and leave a comment. That really helps the podcast get noticed and um, helps more people discover it. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.